0: Hello and welcome to the Coaching Manual podcast. In this episode, we're talking to James Clark reed who's a performance analysis expert and consultant. He works in the professional game. As a member of Gus Poirier's coaching staff, he implemented one of the most advanced video analysis setups in the country. And he currently advises and supports about 70 professional football clubs in the Premier League and Football League. In the podcast, James explains what performance analysis is, how it fits into the coaching and the learning process, how professional teams gain a competitive advantage through it, and also how grassroots coaches can get started with video analysis without spending tons of money or adding loads of extra work. If you enjoyed the podcast, please let us know on Twitter, at coaching manual or Google plus, which is google.com forward slash plus the coaching manual. And remember to subscribe. You can use iTunes or SoundCloud, or RSS and you'll get future access to all podcasts automatically. For a coach who maybe is aware there's a lot of you know interesting things going on in a professional game but has never seen that level up close, just explain what is video analysis?
1: Well, it's a way where you can actually critique about what you've done in terms of performance. So uh, the mainstay of it is when we're videoing um, and, and realising how we've performed so that would be using a using video to watch how we have played, record that and then feed that back to various people such as the manager or players or coaches.
0: So what is the process um, when you kind of go from setting up before a game through to the end of the game? What's, what's your role during that period? Right okay
1: so the first thing I think is
0: different about say for example today what we're doing
1: here is it has to be shot in a way which is feasible for coaches to look at in a, in a, in a football sense. so we shoot in a very wide angle with that it basically means that we can then do exactly what i said look at it in, in a coaching sense but critique it in a better way so i'll get there early i'll set the camera up i'll make sure that it's a wide angle I'll make sure it's then fed up into a, into a, a laptop software wise and then from there what we'll do is be able to capture it and then feed it back, like I say, afterwards. And when does that feedback tend to happen? Well, it depends really. You may, you may run down at half time. Um, I've had situations where I've been calling my phone and then been asked to talk something through in-game, like for a goal, who done this, so you'd have to carry on recording and then go through the software, which is quite difficult, um, but, and then feed that back down to the coaches on the bench. Um, now that's allowed so it doesn't fall outside the, the Football League rules or anything like that so it's quite good really but mainstay would be
0: I'd say the end of the game, mm-hmm. post-match. Yeah. So how does that feed into say the managers post-game? Team talk? Well
1: yeah massive, I think the first thing in my experience that you'll find not so much at Cambridge at the moment but with uh, my other experiences in football is the fact that you'll get the manager before he really goes into any great depth looking at the laptop. So he'll have his his post-match sort of team talk. He'll go through that process and then he'll have a look at the laptop. Mm -hmm. Now what that does, it gives him the opportunity to know exactly what's happened before he'll go speak to the press. Maybe he'll even speak to the chairman because normally that phone call happens after the game as well, Um, or directors, etc. But most definitely before he really takes what he's seen and then builds upon it through opinion and, and press, price et etc. So, he he uses it sort to
0: really build up on what he's thinking, just to back himself up, save himself embarrassment. Sure. Obviously, that's in the professional game. Um, does it is the footage then used sort of throughout the week, or is it a very sort of short time period? No, no. It's. It, I would say it's got fixture to
1: fixture longevity, but it's still something that's quite important, especially when you're feeding that back down to youth players or reserve team players because essentially you're profiling how you play so perhaps you know I worked at Brighton Hove Albion as well we would have a look at Liam Bridcutt, but we would have a look at his clips from the start of the season all the way through um, and that would be looking at how other midfielders in the youth team can watch him how he plays mm-hmm. and then replicate that because we have the same staff throughout so it's got its uses but I would say for a manager looking at how his team has performed
0: this week by week yeah. Yeah, what about from a developmental standpoint, so if you're working with maybe younger age groups from 21s, maybe even down into the academy for clubs that have the facilities, how does analysis play into that development pathway?
1: Yeah, I mean, massive. I mean, we haven't even spoken about the other element of analysis, which I think is a key thing, which is the statistical side of it. Now, right. you know, when you can combine the two, which is where you're looking at what you're saying, which is profiling and being able to sort of stipulate what you should be looking for in a, in a player such yeah. as you know, if you've got a left back that's really, really performing at the club, can you then look at the youth player um, that's seven or eight years younger and see if he's on the same pathway. So try and sort of see the route from an under 14 right up to a senior pro and analyse that in a way using performance analysis and video
0: and statistics
1: is key. That's where that comes
0: into the youth part. Let's just go back to the statistics point then because and it's obviously you see on screen, oh, this number of passes in the game, or this amount distance run, or, like, where do those statistics come from? Is it a human, is it a computer? Well, it ranges really, so you've got, you know, external suppliers, but I think
1: a good way of, of doing it is to keep it in-house. Um, now, you're always going to find, if you're looking at certain things, if you keep it within a coaching group, and within a within a club, it becomes easier because it's easier to quantify certain things and understand what certain things are. So, um, you know, the, the software that we used when I was at Brighton, and I still use when I'm using it at Cambridge, we use that to provide statistics which are feedback, in which is sports code. So that's a, that's a way of, of getting that into the, the staff,
0: yeah. How do you decide which statistics are the most meaningful? Well, that's exactly, you know,
1: what I'm saying, because I think with, uh, if you, you could get statistics from anywhere, but the key thing is, is understanding what your coaching group wants, because if you're working with a manager like Gus Boyer, who wants possession and retention, then big things are going to be number of passes, areas, possession. Perhaps if you're looking for something else, then you may be looking for um, tackles one, second balls, shape, things like this, so you can then stipulate what is good and what is bad, but it needs to be kept in-house, because I'll understand. What the manager wants, because it's almost like I speak his language,
0: so it's it's hard to take external statistics and then fit that in. So it seems like it's kind of an intersect between sports science and coaching. You need to have the skills from kind of both forums for it to work. Absolutely, really yeah. I think uh, from my education and then coming through,
1: I think the thing that I combined was my coaching background and my analysis setup. So. They were important to go together but I think it's absolutely critical that you have that coaching philosophy alongside your analysis brain mm-hmm. as such because you, you need to you need to deal with coaches, players who speak the coaching language. So you can't go in with your just an, an analysis language, where you may be stats heavy, you need to try and melt the two together. So you need to understand that part
0: of it is critical. Is there still some resistance to the use of technology in the professional game, is that kind of battle? Um, yeah. No, it's still there, it's still there, but I think
1: it's slowly but surely with generations changing and technology be- becoming more part of our life, um, and etc. So it's, it's, I think,
0: as a whole changing, which makes it easier for analysis, slowly but surely, but yeah, you get some resistance, yeah. What are some of the objections that you do face? I mean, if you go in and you have to kind of maybe twist an arm or convince somebody the value of it, how do you kind of sell the analysis process to them?
1: One of the things I've heard coaches and and certain people in football say is uh, analysis is paralysis. So they'll say, are you looking at it too deeply? Which I think is key because the moment you start to use video and complement that with statistics is the moment you answer that that query really and you say no that, that's not how it is whereas i can see where they're coming from when they say analysis is paralysis because if you go in with too much statistics and you try and answer the questions of football using statistics only you miss the bigger picture which is where they're coming from so i agree so stats heavy great caution but when you're actually supplementing the coaching process with analysis protocols then you 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 know you, you're answering their their Criticism straight away.
0: Yeah. Just let's go back to the academy setup no. um, then. Is it a very coach led process or is it a um, sort of sports science department led process? Is it player led process? How do they all dif- feed into this? Well, uh, process, it, it ranges really. I mean, now with um, the elite player
1: performance pathway um, and, and how that's been implemented in there, it's, um, it's, it's changed. However, it still varied because analysis departments are very different in how they approach things. You may have people that are very isolated. You may have people that are very coach-orientated. It really just depends. Um, but I think the key thing is now, with the change over the last season, is that there's more transparency between coaching principles and analysis targets. Mm-hmm. So it's easier for now coaches to go, I want to look for these things, and analysts to go, I understand these things. Because we've got, we've got that... Uh, that balance between the two getting there anyway mm. yeah.
0: Can you give an example um, of how video directly feeds into maybe a development of a skill or development of an idea? Um, well I think a good example is looking
1: at it where you you can critique how a player's perform. Now the thing with video analysis is and, and the beauty of it is that you can analyse as long as you understand a very very subjective skill so We talk about good midfield rotation as an example Um, you can't really quantify that unless you understand what that is but you can use video analysis to then back that up so you can say yeah there were seven seven examples of great midfield rotation here's the examples here's the bad ones because you've got that because you've done the analysis via video you can then quantify it and then you can then take that to the coaches and that's a good example of a critique that may be used in, in the academy process because that would be a target for youth players to look at set by their coaches that the analyst has helped facilitate.
0: So it feeds into um, I guess setting the, setting the picture in the player's mind, is that Absolutely, the idea of yeah, it? Really? Yeah. I think visually is the key way of learning,
1: it's as simple as that. So it doesn't matter how you're gonna then project what you've got, if you can back up whatever you're saying in a visual sense, whether you've had 222 passes, you know, you may wanna show some examples of them good phases of play with the passes, because that's gonna back up what you're saying. Because the visual sense is key. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where we learn, and especially people in that environment who are are visual learners by research.
0: Yeah. Is it difficult for players to Make the link from a wide overhead shot to kind of their own personal perception yeah, of the pitch, it, do you think? It's a great
1: question, that because it really varies. It's, <clears throat> you'll find some players are um, keen, as mustard, to have a look at their wide angle and they really, really do appreciate it. I worked with some pros at Brighton that would uh, be astonished. They'd be like, I can't believe I've got so much time. But then they'd go, But I haven't got any time because looking at it at a wide angle, it looks so easy. But when they're down there, mm. it's not. Mm. So we would we would range and vary what we would do. So we would facilitate another camera angle in the analysis process and then provide that as well and, and combine them. We actually have four or five in the end of Brighton, which we could then critique different things such as goalkeeper performance in terms of position, perhaps front movement, complete shape, certain areas through different camera angles. But, yeah, very different. Yeah, you get certain people that were like, I want to see it really wide, and other people that would say, I want to see just me on the ball, such as a, a broadcast angle. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll come back to the grassroots in a few minutes, but just to finish off on the professional setup, if you could have your kind of ultimate wish list, and you know, budget was no issue, maybe you work at a Man City or Chelsea or someone like that. How would you set up the video analysis process at that club? Yeah.
1: Well, I think for me, in my experience, I think one of the key things is empowerment. So what we've done well at Brighton and developed, and what I'd like to develop at Cambridge along the way as well, is the fact where we can give the coaches the tools the analysts have. Now, I think the key thing is that the analysts aren't then scared that they're going to lose their jobs or they're going to lose emphasis. If anything, they get more because the management coaches, manager, etc., realise how difficult how intricate the job is so then what they do is they have more of a respect for the analyst and then there's a greater relationship that builds off that so for me i would be empowering the coaches and the manager with the same tools that i would that would be my
0: uh, ideal scenario for sure yeah why do you think um why do you think coaches aren't maybe more proactive in seeking out ways to find an advantage. You hear about sort of say Team Sky or the British Olympic cycling team have all these marginal games. Do you feel like when there's something money in football there should be more of an attitude towards when I'm going to find that extra one, two percent? Yeah, I think it's changing, to be honest.
1: I do think it's changing because I think we've got um, a, more of an appreciation for lots of different disciplines now in um, in football, across the board, not just professionally, as we go down as well, an understanding of you know, fitness levels, um, conditioning um, in, in that sense, and also sports science and performance analysis you know, across the board, so I think that part of it is definitely developing. Um, however you, you do find that it's the same mentality as what we spoke about in terms of technology, I think you'll find that you just have that little bit of resistance because people are scared of the unknown because I think it's so fierce as an industry mm-hmm. that people don't want to be like, well don't actually know about that to show weakness because you need to be strong, seem to be strong. Yeah. So exactly. you have
0: to, to implement things, it's very difficult yeah. you have to do it the right way. So that's the top end, obviously a lot of the coaches who listen to this and who uh, visit the coach line you work at the grassroots area. Mm-hmm. Is this an area that's just completely off limits, to so are there other ways that they can implement some of the ideas?
1: No, sure. no, definitely not. That I mean, and it's a really exciting time because I think there's there's certain things that are, you know, changing. Um, and I think traditionally the software was always out of reach or, or elitist as such. Now that's definitely not the case. There's certain bits and pieces out there that are now that are making life a lot easier for grassroots coaches. I mean, there's um, Game Breaker for iPad, which is something which is a really really uh, useful tool. Um, and, uh, and cost effective for grassroots coaches and I've seen more and more um, of examples of that especially with youth teams where having an appreciation of filming the games and doing the basic breaking down is, is revolutionary mm-hmm. you know, to, to a youth player I mean, I've seen it as well in, in, in grassroots with, with senior football and, and players revelling in the fact that they can watch themselves and understand certain things um, so yeah, no, it's, it's, it's developing slowly, but I think it's key that we get that in place for grassroots coaches because it's such an important tool. And I think the mentality of grassroots coaches is a lot better mm-hmm. than perhaps the elite game in that respect where they're not so fearful of the unknown because they're doing it as an amateur and as in passion mm-hmm. rather than as in profession. So to show weakness isn't isn't as you know detrimental to perhaps their professional placement.
0: Yeah, I think the priorities are different as well. I mean, maybe an academy is similar, but certainly the the great grassroots coaches that you come across, is all about development, and there isn't that pressure. Yeah, I think there's,
1: there's, I think great grassroots coaches are always developing themselves, so, and and at grassroots grassroots, there's no there's no scope. Uh, there's no limitation on the scope rather, where you, you, you can film your training sessions, you can film your, your games, but you can also then replicate certain things, you can take examples from the television, you can share footage, it's, there's a massive spectrum of things you can do, um,
0: which slowly but surely we get there with it I think. So what's the minimum kind of effective, I guess, kit list that you would need to start doing some very rudimentary analysis? Well, like I
1: say, an iPad with, with Game Breaker on the iPad, which is something which I think is very very simple um, but effective in a great way um, albeit using that or the a game breaker which you can use which is a the, the, the sort of junior version of sports code um, once you can then record the performance and then put back into that mm-hmm. that's it that's a great tool mm-hmm. for for reviewing critiquing it's very user friendly.
0: So, does, yeah. does quality of the footage matter that much is it crucially important at grassroots level? No, I would say, I
1: mean, we're fortunate nowadays because I think anyone that picks up a camera, the quality is going to be fairly good anyway. Because, you know, just by um, the, the, the change in technology and the progression yeah. that we all, you know, even our phones have got great cameras. We, sometimes we don't even use them. Um, we don't even realise. So yes, it is important, but not, not greatly, not at that level. Because it's a developing thing,
0: so yeah, yeah. So if you're a coach who's keen to get going and just to give it a a quick test, and they've got maybe a game coming up at the weekend, how would you recommend they get started? What would the process be? First, I I think the first thing would be to get someone
1: to get a good vantage point um, and take the process away from you, or at least have it set up so it's not affecting too much of your actual um, game to game. Um, situation such as uh, how you're involved in the team
0: etc and what you're doing So you can Um, still coach and manage Absolutely
1: yeah This is a a thing I think that we need to develop because it's a very easy process in regards to just recording so it can be set up and left and then you can come back and at the end of the game stop and then review If you have someone helping you you can do that as well Um, but yeah so I would I would me, if I run a team, um, I would most definitely um, get the Game Breaker for iPad at and Roots. Uh, and, then, and then from there, I'd uh, definitely give it to someone and let them just uh, record the performance. So I'm focusing on my job, and then I'd have a look at half time, I'd have a look at full time. Mm-hmm. And then for training, I need to show the players some bits and pieces that I've clipped out. So, you're not asking players to look through the
0: whole game? Or, no, okay. this is
1: a key, this is a thing. You get various different approaches at different clubs, whether that be um, semi pro or professional. And I think with grassroots, I think most people are so infused because it's so new, they would watch a whole game. Yeah. However, with the ability that you get from the software and how you approach things, you can break it down. You know, a player can have a look at 15 minutes of critical footage rather than 90 minutes. There's, the limitations are, are very little on what you can do so yeah it's, it's very easy for a player to look at the, the prime things and then not worry too much about the, the actual stuff that's not important to him that's going to lose his attention
0: yeah. so it's interesting because it seems like then you actually do get away from the result as prime because if you're only looking at a certain segment of the game and you can actually really focus in on ok ignore the fact we can see the sloppy goal later on like that's gone now We'll look at all these different things that we did in the process definitely I think as well at grassroots people have more of a
1: more of a perception of how they've played or less of an understanding of how they've actually performed because there's so many elements going on and I'm a grassroots player I play grassroots on a Saturday when I get the time and to actually have my game videoed which I have um, and, and it's so interesting because you actually see things that you would never see and would never even actually have a, an assumption of, mm-hmm. let alone know. So to see that process, I think yeah. grassroots is, is massive because people are
0: very, because they're grassroots players, unaware so much. Could you give an example, even just from your own game? Where you see something...
1: Well, it's about positioning, about anticipation, about second balls, about shape. um, Lots of different things, you know, where you're watching a game um, and we've looked at certain things professionally and then I'll watch myself and I'll be thinking, why am I not doing that? And I I wasn't even aware of it, you know? But there's lots of elements to it, but it's
0: shocking, actually. Yeah, in a good way, but yeah, yeah. So just to kind of finish off, I mean, we talked about Game Breaker for iPad, and mm. there's a lot of different software tools, but mm. just explain roughly how that works. I mean, if you had um, a parent volunteer or something to help out on the sidelines, what would they be doing with, kind of with the footage, either during the game or after the game? Well, in
1: a sense, of if I was the manager and I was doing it, then they would be able to record the game using the software, add certain elements to it in there if I'd set them up, such as, goal, conceded, uh, shots, crosses, second balls, we could actually have a look at them um, and then go through that process. So I would do it as a post-match review, but we can certainly do stuff like that at half-time mm. and at full-time. I think it's a great tool for that part and f- just to have it on an iPad, if you're gonna do it like that, or to have Game Breaker and actually
0: capture it through a camera, it's great, yeah, great. Last one, I'm just going off with. If you could put an iPad in the hands of sort of every grassroots coach in the country and they knew how to use software, they were using it as a part process, what kind of impact do you think that would make? Oh, massive. Really,
1: really, really big. I think it would probably be the most single thing that would speed up the whole process in our grassroots development in the country. It, it, it's that significant. And I think what's incredible is that I don't think it's that far-fetched. I don't think it's that out of reach because to be able to critique your performance, whether it be grassroots or elite, is massive. And there's there's patches and holes in elite and grassroots, where people don't do that. But at grassroots, to be able to do that at that level, it would make a significant difference.